We've all been there when we're watching the high school production of a William Shakespeare play. The kids are doing their best, they're doing their darndest, but the production value, it's not much. So you're always, well, you're always a little bit let down, even though you know in the back of your head, maybe this could be better. Well, today we do have something that could be better, and it is better. It's Kenneth Branagh's production of Much Ado About Nothing. And let me tell you, it is a triumph! We've got Denzel Washington. We've got Michael Keaton. We've got Kenneth Branagh. We've got actors who can act. And Keanu Reeves is here too. See Emma Thompson as Beatrice. See Kenneth Branagh as Benedict. This is a wonderful movie. It's wonderful Shakespeare. It's everyone doing a great job. And yes, even Keanu Reeves is, he's fun. So please enjoy Kenneth Branagh's William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Wow. Wowzers. You just, you just mentioned Brian Blessed. Yeah. I want to say before we start that I wanted to point something out to you about Brian Blessed. Yeah. So Brian Blessed is, who does he play in this movie? Like Antonio? He plays Leonardo's brother. Jolly Fat Man? Antonio. Okay, Antonio the Jolly Fat Man, who should be making pizzas for everybody. He just looks like a pizza maker to me. He does look like the guy on the front of, um, is it Pizza Factory? Except he has browner <laughs> hair. He looks like the Shakespearean version of the guy on the Pizza Factory. So do you know who he plays in a Star War? Does he? Does he? I'll give you a clue. He plays someone that looks kind of like him, but he's CGI, so not completely like him. Is he the guy who uh, I can't remember his name, but he runs the? Uh, <laughs> hold on, he runs the like restaurant that Obi Wan Kenobi goes no, to. No, but that's a good guess. Okay. No, he plays Boss Nass from oh, Boss the Phantom Nass. Menace. Wow. Okay. And I saw Boss Nass. I saw Brian Blessed's credit on this. I'm like. I know you. And then I saw his face. And I'm like, I know you. How do I know you? And then I realized it's <laughs> Boss Nass from The Phantom Menace. Um, other credits for Brian Blessed include Flash Gordon. Yes. Tarzan, because he does a lot of vocal work. Double and, yes. Yeah. And he's a lot. He's in basically, basically any Shakespeare. He was probably in it somewhere. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that George Lucas found the Shakespearean actors to play the most eloquent, uh, articulated. Wait, is he still alive? I hope so. He's still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. You Brian sound Blessed, like a villain. Brian Blessed was, he's still alive. <laughs> he was born in 1936, which is a year after my grandfather was born. Wow. Your grandfather is basically Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed has such a good face. Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I am your host, Ryan Graves, and with me, as always, is my best friend. Ah, Kelly McCrillis. And this week, it's Shakespeare! You get a folio, and you get a folio. Everybody gets a folio! (laughs) We've got turkey legs! Turkey legs! Turkey leg for you. Join me in the ground leans. Ah, right in the gullet. That'll be five pence. (laughs) Is five pence a lot? Um, 
two farthings. Sorry. No, it's ducats. It's ducats. Is it ducats? It's five ducats. I feel like ducats is gold. We've taken away pence because of the Mike Pence rule. There's no more pence allowed in the room because there are women here. So no more. What about pence. in England though? Like pence yeah, doesn't have as have much a of a five pence you or can have two a five pence, pence, but no Mike Pence. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. What we can't do in here is depence each other. No. 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 So because it's just the two of us in the office, and that would be weird. <laughs> well, it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. Hey, what's the movie today? We watched the glorious, the uproarious, the salmonorious, which is a word I made up. Much ado about nothing. Hurrah! Huzzah! Okay, everybody, it's Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, not to be confused with Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing, which is not to be confused with William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. It is Kenneth Branagh's Kenneth Much Ado About Nothing. Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Um, ah, Kenneth Branagh. The greatest thing about this movie is that it has four different Hogwarts professors, three of them being uh, teachers who are Defense Against the Dark Turts. <laughs> Teachers, the dark tarts, the dark tarts, uh, because <laughs> because you had, bakery. you had Emma Thompson who plays Professor Trelawney. You have um, Imelda Staunton, Imelda Staunton who plays um, the worst teacher in the world. Um, Why can't I think of her name right now? She book five. She is the person that she is. Her name describes what she is. Professor Umbridge. Or, Umbridge. And then you have Kenneth Branagh. Oh, I guess you only have three. You have Kenneth Branagh who plays. I was thinking David Tennant was in this because Kenneth Branagh was like David Tennant. I feel like does a little Kenneth Branaghing. Oh my sometimes. gosh! I'm so glad you heard it. Okay, like, yeah, in the I, voice, right? He is the when way he goes up here. I think I would be a I good just doctor. Don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he plays uh, Gilroy Lockhart. You're forgetting Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes, I forgot. Oh, that I were a rose to be plucked Wait, hold by on. you. I forgot that he was also Professor Snape. He was Alan Rickman's body double. <laughs> when he had long hair and he said, Harry, why don't you know all of these things about the dark arts? It's your first day. So should we get this out of the way now? Keanu Reeves, thumbs up, thumbs down in this movie. In in this movie, I think he was miscast. Thumbs down. It's thumbs not that he's a bad actor. Not at all. It's that he shouldn't have been invited. <laughs> well, I think part of the problem is Keanu had been doing, I looked up his entire history after watching this movie, just seeing how did he get to this place in 1993? Mm -hmm. He had been playing small bit parts like being in a Coke commercial or being yeah. on an episode of television as thug or something Yeah, for probably eight years or so in the eighties. He'd just been like, wow, small timing it very small time, very infrequently. Okay. And so he'd be like, a part, or he'd be like a presenter on MTV. Yeah. Um, then Bill and Ted hits 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Bill and Ted hits. Then you've got um, like a couple other smaller roles in film. Sometimes he's playing a hunk. Sometimes he's like just playing a, uh, like somebody's like boyfriend in like, yeah. I think Parenthood. He's in, in right. Parenthood. Yeah. And then Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which well, is my but, favorite. And then that's right 91. But right before that, he had Point Break. Which is like oh right before Bogus Journey was Point Break yeah 
That's weird because I feel like Bogus Journey, it's like pre or post Bogus Journey Keanu Reeves. Because like Point Break is when we're like, okay. I think that's when things change. But at least on his IMDb, that one comes just before. Okay, okay. So Point Break is the one where like this guy is the real deal. And then in 94, when we get speed, we're like, okay, this guy's the shit. He owns action cinema. Uh And then Matrix, he's God. He's he's Matrix, he's God. And then he does like Hardball after that. He does a replacements. Yeah. Right? He's so. I think at this point in time, he also had very little practice doing other acting. Yeah. And I think by the time of the matrix where they don't give him a lot of dialogue, so we don't hear it as much. Sure. (laughs) He's just so much more settled in his persona in the matrix. For sure. Whereas in the early nineties, he's, he's kind of got this kind of like, he's always like adjusting his collar. He's just kind of, there's just kind of this energy to him where yeah, it's, he's going back and forth. Yeah. And it's like, like this nervous his, energy. His shoulders always go up. Yeah. And that just doesn't fit here in Shakespeare, which to be fair, he, he really reigns that in. Yeah. It's just that. So he plays, uh, Don, Don Juan, Don, John, Don Juan, Don Juan or Don John, Don Juan, John Juan, John Juan. He <laughs> plays John Juan. Yeah. And John Wick Juan. John. Woo. Um, and he's fine. He's what he's really what he when he re- really lands on horseback at the beginning of this movie. You're he like, looks good on. He the looks horse. great. And then when he's leaning against the wall, when we first get introduced to him, it's like he's stoic. He's reserved. He's got the attitude. He just does not it just, have the delivery. iambic pentameter in his. He just His doesn't have the delivery. Deliver, yeah, it's it's just it's not there. Anyway, I think we should leave that on the cutting room yeah. floor and just be like, there is a scene where he's getting oiled up by his <laughs> his buddy, and then it almost looks like they're about to kiss when they're interrupted totally by his other the buddy. Intention. Yeah, you just know very that's much. Totally Kenneth Branagh is just like laying on the like homosexual like subtext. He's here. like, come, it's, it's it's not really subtext. Good. It's queer like, subtext. It's like now kith. No, so uh, <laughs> we're much ado about nothing. Let's let's get into the story, shall we? Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Ah, Italy, where we recite poetry and everyone laughs and everyone's kind of buxom. (laughs) 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 And, oh, look, over yonder... People come home from a war. Hurrah! We have something to do with our lives. The entrance of Kenneth Branagh and his motley crew. Which include Denzel Denzel Washington. Keanu Reeves. uh, Robert Sean Leonard. Sean Robert Leonard. What is his name? Robert Sean Leonard. Which my headcanon is that. It's not, this character is not played by Robert Sean Leonard. It's played by the kid from Dead Poet Society. Oh, yeah, totally. He got out of the Dead Poet Society and survived and is now finding his best life as a Shakespearean actor. So wait, you're saying, wait, 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 what you're saying is that he found Ted Mm. and traveled back in time with him. Yes. And this is where they are together. They're playing these roles. Okay, gotcha. He's living his best life. Yes. And I'm just really happy for him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, well, cause he's not, wait, no, he's the, is he the one that kills himself? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he got uh, out. Sorry, Dead Poet Society. Spoiler alert. But they uh, also it's been out. But of, they it, spoil it in Friends too. So be mad at Friends first because they spoiled it in 1994. Go watch it though. Yeah. Sorry if I spoiled it. But but his whole thing in Dead Poet Society is that he wanted to be an actor. That's and he, right. He couldn't. And he, he, and he was now he is. He was in Midsummer's Night's Dream in that moon. Isn't and it, now it's like he's playing the the juicy roles. Isn't it always weird to see like I not weird, isn't it good when you get to see actors playing actors though, or people who are like aspiring actors? I love the yeah. meta-ness of that. Yeah. Okay, so basically we're here in Italy and um We have this family and they're mm-hmm. they're crew their besties come home from war right and and among the family you have um uh basically these two cousins one's kate beckinsale one's emma thompson Mm -hmm. uh hero and beatrice which is like beauty in such different like both of them you get beauty in so many different ways yes and um you also get very um revealing blouses yes in, uh, in basically the same way but it, it's it's kind of too bad because Hero in this story, I don't know. I it, it's been a decade since I've read the text. Uh-huh. But and Shakespeare's romantic heroes, ah, uh, hero, ha, ha. <laughs> they're never very developed very well. They're just there to be pretty, you know. Wait, what do you mean? Like, their his heroes are. I would say all of the characters in this movie um, that are heroes, just kind of the hapless victim of all this oh, terrible stuff. Yes. That's what I mean. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, Compared his heroes, not like his heroes. No, in in romances, like a lot of the times, well, think just, like a Midsummer's or something. All yeah. four of those characters are pretty well not developed, but they get a lot to do and say. Yeah, I just feel like Beatrice gets all the juicy character stuff, mm-hmm. and Kate Beckinsale just kind of has to sit there and be pretty. So Robin and I were thinking of the name Hero for our, the middle name of our daughter. Yeah, and we were like, you know what? If Hero was the name of Beatrice in this movie, we would we would do it. Right. But Hero's such a nothing character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it just makes Emma Thompson shine even more. Right. Because she gets to do all the fun stuff. Right. And and like Kate Beckinsale is pitch perfect as the ingenue in yeah. this role. And she's gorgeous and cute as a button. Yeah. But you're right. She doesn't have a, as much to do as all the other characters in this movie. Yeah. Basically. But so there's Her some... and Brian Blessed are just over in the corner making faces. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we've got Dan Zale, who's Don Pedro. He is the prince. Yes. Yes. And then his Bastard brother, aka Jon Snow, aka Don, Don John, John. Is, Don John Snow, is Keanu Reeves. Oh, that I were such a pretty flower. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go. No, I love it. It's good Shakespeare. <laughs> so, Anything Shakespeare, if you want it to be. Yeah. Isn't that what they say about Shakespeare? Yeah, Shakespeare is what you want. That lamp is Shakespeare. <laughs> this podcast is Shakespeare. Everything is copy. Um. So. Don Pedro, Don John, um, Robert Patrick Sean guy from House, Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard, who is buddies with It's Claudio. Claudio, he's just friends with all those he's guys. Fun, and he's friends with Kenneth Branagh, who plays Benedict. And Benedict and Beatrice have like a long-standing rivalry with each other, and Claudio and uh, Hero have like a flirtation. A flirtation that they've had for a while. Yeah. And so all these people are coming back from war, and then Beatrice is like, why do we people even war? Yeah. And then immediately they start butting heads, and basically what happens is Denzel convinces um, 
they, they, they have a party. They have a masquerade because it's Shakespeare. And mm-hmm. as Robin told me many times over the course of this movie, why does Shakespeare always need to complicate things with masks? Because <laughs> it's fun. Oh, so we know that Robin's not hot on Jane Austen's storytelling. Uh-huh. How does she feel about Shakespeare? Well, okay. She's not not hot on Jane Austen now. She's kind of come around on it. But, the, but thanks to the hard work that you've been putting in. We, Partially, yes, but also... She would not have gotten there on her own. I don't think that she'd do Mansfield Park. Yeah. Yeah, still. Yeah. yeah. I understand that. But, uh, no, she's she's way into Shakespeare. She, okay. loves, she loves her some Shakespeare. Okay, good. good, uh, good, good yeah. Good. Yeah, but she was like, what? Come on. Come on, guys. You're really making this harder than it has <laughs> well, to be. She's like, come on, Claudio. Go say that you like Hero. Robin, it's much ado about nothing. Oh. So he's going to make nothing so complicated because that's the point. <laughs> And uh, basically, uh, Claudio's a little nervous because Ka- Kate Beckinsale is one of the most beautiful humans on Earth. And so he's like, Denzel, other most beautiful human on Earth. Could you go talk to Kate Beckinsale for me? Very junior high of him. Yeah. And he's, he's the prince. And so he goes and woos her for him, which is like a thing that used to happen. Which is really nice. Yeah. And then Sha- Robert Sean Leonard immediately gets fucked with by Keanu Reeves, who who isn't. He's arch for the sake of being arch. He's like a villain from Venture Brothers. He's like, <laughs> it's my job to be arch. I like really like he explains it to his hench people. I just want to mess with my brother. Yeah, they keep saying that he's the bastard brother. And that just tells me he is the anti Jon Snow. He's the inverse Jon Snow where uh, this is my headcanon. He's, he's anti noble. Ass- yeah, I'm just assuming that he's begrudging that he is in line for nothing and his brother gets everything. And as opposed to Jon Snow, who's like, that's cool. I'll just go hang out with the watch. He's like, no, I want everything. And I'm going to fuck shit up on my way there. Yeah. And it doesn't even seem like, well, that's the thing. He doesn't seem to have motivation, right? Except that he doesn't like his brother. And what we have to assume through subtext is that he is either jealous of his brother or Claudio, because at one point in time, there's this point where he like looks at hero and Claudio when they look at each other and he's like, Oh man, (laughs) <laughs> yeah and uh or he just hates his brother thus he's like i'm going to mess with everyone does that sound cool great yeah he is a demon basically yeah yeah maybe he is a demon he's also in the devil's advocate but uh, he's not the devil in that uh, he's the no, lawyer no. Yeah. okay so basically uh after a misunderstanding because it's a shakespeare comedy denzel is like hey Claudio, no big deal. I got your lady. And they're like, okay, marriage tomorrow or Monday or one of the days. Claudio's like, marriage now? Marriage now. (laughs) Can we get married now before she changes her mind, please? And Hero's dad is like, slow your roll. Like, we'll do it on Monday, I think (laughs) is what he says. It's going to be fine. And so that's that's what goes on. And there's more reveling and partying and more barbs thrown back and forth with Beatrice. And so Denzel is like, oh, that was that was an easy one. Yeah. It was really easy to woo hero. That was like they were already flirting. Uh-huh. They were they were good. Me thinks I need a challenge. <laughs> he does. He gets kind of a like I'm a prince and I've been doing a lot in war recently. What what if I took a break and just like satisfied the other Machiavellian part of me? Just what is the most challenging coupling I could possibly take on? And and at one point in time he he looks at the gods square in the face and he's like, if I'm able to get Beatrice and Benedict together, then by God I'm better than Cupid. Right? Uh, 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 uh. Uh. Um 
but actually this is right after a really interesting scene where he approaches Beatrice and is like, Oh, right. Hey, would you ever want to like, they talk about marriage and she's like, she's like, you know what? Seeing them happy, I could maybe go for that. And he's like, well, what about me? And she's like, I could never be a prince's wife mm-hmm. is basically what she says. And he he's like, okay, I get that. Yeah. So the development we get for Beatrice is that there's this kind of like insecurity. She's like, oh, it's not for me. I don't think anyone would want to be married to me. I, I wouldn't, it's, it's just no good. I, I don't want to do that. But I mean, I mean, insecurity on one hand, but like complete brazen, like confidence that she never wants to be tied down is yeah. another thing. She's, she's got a lot of uh, Kate or yeah. Catherine, Katarina. <laughs> Katya. Oh, <laughs> by the way, this will come up in our letters segment, but my mom <laughs> really wanted to impress upon us after listening to our cutting edge episode that her name is Kate, not Kat. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, she is very much of of the Shakespeare romance, romantic comedy heroines. She's like, and exp- exposes it at one point. Why am I not a man to make my own decisions or fight my own fights? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a scene later where she's like, oh, but were I a man? Yeah. Which is one of the most famous Shakespeare lines. Yeah. It's just like, you would see fury. <laughs> um, and we believe it because yeah. it's Emma Thompson delivering the line. And then the the development we get from Benedict is the most classic old fashioned male thing of like, ah, I'm a bachelor. Don't tie me down. Yeah. I'll never get married. Like all my friends can think it's cool to get married, but they're idiots. And he, he makes a very public, uh, just confession. I will never get married. He pulls a George Clooney. I'll never get married. I'll very be a bachelor so. all my life. Very and I want so. everyone to know that I'll be a bachelor. And it's a hard place to, to fault him because this place in Italy, basically they show up and all the women that are all super hot all basically run and have a bath together. They frolic. They yeah. literally frolic to the bath. Kenneth Branagh is so like I. So he he's done other directorial things like Thor, for yeah. instance. But this is the exact wheelhouse where I want him. He because is he, perfect for this. He there is so much substance and just pure joy in like the yes. world he's like i want to be here this is what i imagine it in an idealized form and i don't care if it wasn't exactly like this this is how shakespeare makes me feel yeah. which is maidens putting on like and taking off clothes and jumping into baths and then men doing it we get like this extended sequence of like 40 to 50 women in men's butts yeah and it's like it's real hot guys it's but it's so pure it is it's like it's like if you looked at sex not as naughty, but just as ex- like flirtation and the excitement that leads up to it, it looks, like getting together. It looks at sex the way that Renaissance paintings looks at sex. Where yeah. it's like sexy people, but not erotic. It's just like innocent the way that it depicts it. Yeah, like in like there's this painting that um, I was thinking of where it has, it's not the Furies, but it's, maybe it's the Furies where there's like a tornado of women like going up into the sky and they're all like naked and intertwined with each other. And then there's a bunch of um, like fawns below, like playing flutes and just Mm -hmm. being like, like reveling in it. And, but it's not intense in any way. It's like simple and beautiful and being like, isn't this beautiful? Isn't like being 
sexy and and like flirty fun yeah but in a in a you're right in a weirdly innocent way so i watched this movie when i was in ninth grade during school hours whoa in class whoa and i'm pretty sure it was just the uncut version but i was like "Mm, i think i just saw a scrotum so i'm like maybe it was cut out a little bit but i remember when we were watching this in class i was like wait did anyone else, did anybody else see? I think I saw a boob and I'm yeah. in school. No, no, there's there's definitely like a boob yeah. or two and a lot of butts, maybe a little scrote. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of nipples, uh, not just male nipples, but female nipples just like protruding almost through their shirts mm-hmm. in this movie. But it's so innocent. But I just is, feel like it's like you could show it to your Sunday school and maybe it's a little weird, but well, still. What I like is it is it takes all of the naughtiness and like all of what we put on bodies and sex mm-hmm. and and like the like the puritanical look at sex and nudity. And it's like, no 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 no. It's just about people being close and fun and not having that many compunctions. Yeah. It, it's kind of like this Eden like. Yes. Yeah. 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 Look it, at it, sexuality. It, it like takes away all the, the human sin of it. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I love it for that. It's so joyous. I was watching this movie and I'm like, this movie is pure joy. It is. And I, I want to impress upon you now. The movie gets intense later, but if you need a pick-me-up, this just lifts watch, your spirits. Watch the first 15 to 20 minutes of it this film. It absolutely lifts your spirits. If you're going through a rough time, it'll just be like, it, it takes you by the hand. It's like, come with us. Be merry with us. It doesn't matter what kind of shit you're going through. It's going to be great. And I think... Part like you can tell that I mean it's obvious that Kenneth Branagh, besides like Lawrence Olivier, is always looked at as like the other Shakespeare guy, like yeah. the Shakespeare guy that came after Olivier. Yeah, and you can tell how much he wants to show that off movie wise because not only did he adapt this for screen directorially, but also writerly. Mm-hmm. But he really gives his people space to breathe with his shots Yeah, where he's like, no, I'm going to allow you to get through this soliloquy and speak to the audience without cutting. There are so many extended sequences, but also on the flip side, he also doesn't, isn't over, over honoring the text where no. he's trying to fit in every last no, line no. Shakespeare wrote. He's like, all right, we got the, we got the important lines. Sure. Let's move on. Like it's an hour and 47 minutes. And that's incredible. It's, I cannot believe that, he fit as much in as he did. Yeah. Um, and so basically what happens is they're like, you know what? Denzel's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to with my best friend. <laughs> and so him, Leonardo and Robert Sean Leonard um, decide we're going to convince in that Shakespeare way, Benedict, Benedict, not Benedict. Yeah. Yeah. Benedict, because how is he operating? Like a dick. Like a dick. Is they'll they basically have some conversations which are like accidentally overheard by uh Benedict and basically convince him that Beatrice is in love with him. Yeah. And then uh Hero and it's not Imelda Staunton, but like Hero's mom, maybe. Philida something. I think it's Emma Thompson's mom in real life plays her. Philida Law? I think that's her. Ursula is who she plays. I think that's her mom in real life. I think. 
Okay. Look it up, everybody. Yep. That's exactly who it is. I don't want to look up her IMDb and it just says Emma Thompson's mom. (laughs) Philida Ann Law is a Scottish actress known for her numerous roles in film and television. She was married to actor Eric Thompson from 1957 until his death in 1982. Their daughters, Emma and Sophie Thompson, are both actresses. Oh, that's all she's done in life. Um, but basically, like they, they do the they, same thing. They do the same thing, and then there there starts some wooing between the two of them. Yeah, and I was so surprised that most of the way through this movie, the or like partway through this movie, both the couples are basically together. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens pretty quick. They're like, uh, "I hear you dig me. Uh, I hear you dig me." It's like, okay, I, let's. I guess uh, we dig each other. I then. guess we dig uh, each other. Okay, and <laughs> when they realize that they're loved, they. Kenneth Branagh frolics through a water thingy. Yeah, there's this really cool. Yeah, they keep like uh, cross fading, cross dissolving to um, from Kenneth Branagh leaping and kicking up a fountain, cavorting. Yeah, very much so in a fountain. And and then Emma Thompson swinging on a swing, and they're just so happy because these. I think they they would never expect that person to love them, but the other person does, mm-hmm. and it's that kind of like. Well, they were vulnerable with somebody else, so I guess I can say yes to them. Yeah, and the joy on screen is so earnest. And it's so just pure. Yeah. And it's, you know, I I think everyone listening, everyone here has seen good Shakespeare, and everyone here has seen bad Shakespeare. And we all all, went to high school. (laughs) I think we've all seen mostly bad Shakespeare Mm -hmm. because it's just the thing that's assigned the most. Yeah. And actors who are not experienced go for the emotions that were seen in this movie but they don't have the skill set to do it well not only do it well but convey through dialogue also like they robin and i were talking about this last night the the confluence of conveying not only through dialogue, but like nonverbal cues, what that dialogue means mm-hmm. is very important in Shakespeare. I had to keep the subtitles on because I'm like, don't miss anything. Keep keep going. And I was luckily a lot of it was given to me through how they were delivering uh-huh. the lines. It's like, okay, I'm picking it up. I'm like, I, I almost paused it several times, like, I don't know that word. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they just do a really good job. Like you you could have probably had it off and you would have gotten about 75% of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then basically Keanu Reeves shows up. He's like, I'm here to fuck shit up. I'm throwing a wrench in your wheel. Yeah. And so he does. He basically, he has his buddy have sex with Imelda Staunton and Mm -hmm. like brings Claudio and the prince to see them having sex, but from behind it looks like hero. Yeah. And he's like, heroes like cheating on you friend. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. And so then they show up at the wedding and the wedding is going as planned. But then Claudio basically is like, makes this whole display and like pushes hero over because he's so distraught. Yeah. And then, you know, accuses her her and then storms off. And then her dad slaps her poor hero. At this point, you're like, like, I mean, it's a perfect scene because she is like the person we want least hurt, mm-hmm. but she is the most hurt for no reason that she knows. And it's so tragic. 
I, I should have picked this one in my literary criticism class to do on with a feminist critic critique because mm-hmm. it's like hero in this play is just kind of there to be victimized and is just this like prize to be won. Yeah, she's definitely on a pedestal. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you have one of the strongest female characters in Beatrice. Uh-huh. And it's just like the me as the feminist critic, just kind of like with my correction pen, I'm like, I, well, I am. But then she comes, well. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe intentionally, I don't know, because I, I don't know too much about like, I haven't done criticism on this in class ever. But I feel like if you have two characters at both ends of like I, I you you can't you can almost not call it feminism it is it, all right let's throw it out but we just have two characters one who's very detailed mm-hmm. and one who is very plain and flat mm-hmm. and obviously shakespeare has these two characters in his play because he's like women are can be written like this women can be written like this these are basically the two women who actually have lines in this play yeah. like real lines of substance i guess or characters who are actual characters in this play because i wouldn't say like ursula or margaret are right. like real characters but they're of this both play. shakespearean archetypes that pop up over and over again right. in other plays and so i feel like shakespeare is talking about like kind of the human condition which is what makes him so universal is you have women who are treated as prizes and that is how we see them or you have women who are filled with substance and that's how we see them because they demand to be seen that way. So let me ask you this. I watching it, Sarah was making fun of me so much because I was just sitting there drinking my big old glass of wine. Nice, <laughs> just getting nice. really, this is a movie to drink wine in. Yeah. And I was getting really invested in what was going on. And what's so good about this movie is like we said, all the acting is so earnest and Claudio is just like, pouring his heart out in the first half yeah. and he's just like saying oh she is so lovely and you know he's just saying his sweet little whatever's to her and uh he's not whispering sweet nothings he's, he's yelling shouting them, them. <laughs> and he has these big puppy eyes and i was so relating to him as he was admiring hero mm-hmm. because that is how i saw sarah a lot of women i saw like this but like most recently, Sarah, sure. <laughs> and like I am relating to how he sees Hero because that's mm-hmm. how I saw Sarah. Equ- equally, I was also relating to Benedict because that's how he sees Beatrice as this woman he could argue with and fight with. Yeah. And there is such a fine line between love and and contention, but the contention can fuel passion. It really can, and they they even bring it up as a line in this movie where he he is like he he's like basically any love that doesn't get as contentious as ours would just be boring. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful. But to wit, to your point, you I think you can see people you love as both of these women. Yeah. As as like fulfilling both roles as just so beautiful and worthy of like winning in like this Greek sense mm-hmm. where it's just like you are the Helen and I want you because you are beautiful and wonderful. And I or, just want to be worthy of you. I want to be, yeah, I want to be 
worthy of your hand. Yeah. Um, but then I want to be handed to you, like a prince tells me I am worth the most beautiful person in the world. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of things, you do want someone that you can have a conversation with over breakfast. Yeah. Right? Because I'm, I'm picturing like three days later on their honeymoon, I do not want to be in that room with Hero and Claudio. They're just going to sit there and eat grapes. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's not going to be much to talk about, but I want to be in the room the next I, day. They're probably on... not eating grapes. They're probably doing something well, else. Well, the grapes are like on their bosoms. Oh, they're and eating stuff. off of bosoms, yes. <laughs> but I want to be in the room every time Benedict and Beatrice are agreed. talking to each other. Agreed, agreed. So it's Granted, just more I fun. think I think um eventually maybe Hero like Hero and Claudio seem of similar temperaments. Maybe maybe yeah. they could be a good couple in the long run. Yeah. But basically, after doing this, they come up with this plan. The priest does. What's up with Shakespeare priests always this wanting- This was an evil plan from the priest. He's like, yeah. ooh, I have an idea. Let us deceive everybody. Like, speaking of like Shakespeare priests, though, what is up with all of them wanting to pretend people are dead? Yeah, stop it. Stop it. It, it creates problems. It really hurts people. <laughs> but regardless, maybe Shakespeare, like- knew a priest growing <laughs> up who was just priests. like always pretending that people were dead and they could jump out of coffins <laughs> and it's like these are the, the master pranksters here yeah and so, so basically the, they pretend hero's dead the priest is like let's tell everyone that heroes is dead so that claudio can feel like shit yes because we just want to make him feel bad but then he'll he'll come back and apologize yeah and like and basically that is what happens and by and by in the meantime one of or one of Don Juan's dudes basically brags about what they did and is overheard by some guards and basic, basically a sheriff and his deputy played by Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton, who is Beetlejuicing about in this movie like oh, nobody's business. man, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Let's talk about Michael Keaton's career for a second. He, at this point, was already Beetlejuice, was yep. already Batman, yep. was already Batman again yep. in Batman Returns. He was on a next level as a film star. Yes. He was the biggest star here. And this Dogberry is one not, of the only other two Americans in this movie because it's him and Denzel, right? Denzel Keanu, oh, Michael Keanu, Keaton. That's right. Yeah, yeah and it, it's his, him playing Dogberry. It's like a good, fun role, but it's just kind of like going to Michael Keaton's. Like, hey, do you want to play the lead because you're the star? He's like, no, that's not fun. I want to play Dogberry because yeah, he's Who, Beetlejuice. He's basically Be Beetlejuice. I mean, but you could play Dogberry so many different ways because he's basically a fool who thinks himself. He fancies himself as this big sheriff. Yeah. But you could play this where he's like, uh, you, you, you did know that he called me an ass. Right. Like, and thinking he's important, but he plays him in such like this conniving idiot. It's such a strange, I think it's one of the strangest portrayals of a Shakespeare character I've ever seen, but in so far that it's strange, it's also brilliant. I'm all in. I love like, it. It's so entertaining. Yeah. Regardless of whether I can understand what's going through his head, it's at least entertaining. And it brings back the levity that we've been eating because it gets really dramatic when like Hero almost gets killed by her father and just yeah. it gets super dark. Beatrice is telling Benedict like you have to go kill Claudio because I can't. Yeah, she, like, she's like, so he oh, goes and challenges him. When Kenneth Branagh grabs Ro Robert Sean Leonard's face, I'm just like, oh <sighs> man. And Denzel's just standing there, like, oh, what? Man, what's going on? <laughs> and so a lot of challenges are made. Um, basically, Claudio ends up promising to marry 
Brian Blessed's daughter. Who doesn't exist. Who doesn't exist. Who will be hero. Yeah. And it's another very earnest scene. And my favorite things in storytelling is when characters redeem themselves like this, Uh that he, Claudio is being very earnest with them and upfront and yeah, giving up his heart to these people. Right. I love it. Like when he goes down on his knees and is like, it's such a, it's such an angle that Kenneth Branagh forces him into because he goes down on his knee in front of Leonardo and Leonardo, is that his name? Uh, Leonardo. Yeah. Yeah. Leonardo, the, the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah. Leonardo is their, their dad. He goes down on his knee and he's like, I promise you I'll do this. I'm so sorry that your daughter has died. And he's just like almost crying and he's like stuffed into the frame and you don't usually get like that high of an angle with that much face on it. Yeah. And it just like Kenneth Brown is like, no, I'm going to soak every last tear out of this. You can't get this close to people on stage. I'm going to get this close with my camera. And like I said before, actors who do bad Shakespeare try this hard. Right. But they don't have the skill set to pull it off. Because you could I think you could read Robert Sean Leonard's performance as overly saccharine but i think that's exactly what this character in this moment needs yeah yeah and i think kenneth branagh is that intelligent to balance the performance in the story of because the tone wibble wobbles so much much, yeah and he it's like a seesaw like it gets really (laughs) tragic and then dogberry comes in it's like boom like (laughs) he kicks over the table and he's like time to be weird yeah and there are Horror filmmakers who would not handle that correctly. Yeah. And Brana just pulls it off with a plum. And so basically uh, the the dad finds out exactly what happened and how, how Claudio and the prince were tricked. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to scheme to have this wedding happen. Mm-hmm. And th- at this point, Robin was like, why are you making this complicated? <laughs> because it's much ado about nothing. Yeah, yeah. And it is. And she, she recognizes that, but she was still <laughs> Did you know that rolling her eyes at it. <laughs> that they were, they were originally going to call Seinfeld much ado about nothing. No, I mean, I made that up, but, oh, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Seinfeld of plots. It it's really nothing. is. It's really like basically what happens if you strip away all the complication in the middle is some people arrive at a house and two of them get married. At the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so Dogberry figures it all out for him. He gets a coin and then leaves Monty Python style. And then Claudio shows up, you know. Kate Beckinsale is there under a veil. Then the veil is lifted and everybody's happy and they have a party. They catch Keanu Reeves and they're like, we'll deal with that later. What a great final shot, by the way. It's very Russian arc where so much is going and it's a big tracking shot and it's beautiful. Flower petals are falling falling and they're falling forever. What a wonderful job. That's such a good job staging it. I'm just so impressed by it. I I am so impressed. I do wish that they finished on the couple rather than on the big estate like the estate i think it would have been so much more joyous at the end if you just landed back on the couple that's my only quibble so if you were staging it i am imagining the way that you would do it is that general revelry would be happening petals are falling but the way you would do it is that you would pull the lights down except for the spotlight on our couple and then draw the curtains and then the music would be like and then it's black Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how you do it? Yeah, sorry. Okay, I like it. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I loved the flowers falling so much and the couples dancing together that I didn't want to go away from that. Yeah. Mm, everybody must have been so tired after this scene. <laughs> oh, man. And but poor, such a good job. Poor Don Pedro, our Denzel, 
uh, is left like in the distance because you can see everybody dancing and he's like just standing there watching everybody. And he's like, they just go away from him and I'm looking for him Don and he's Pedro. just not, not there. Don Pedro. Oh no. Aww. Um, he's like, I want to let all these white people dance all weird out. <laughs> I'm just going to stand over here. <laughs> yeah. And that's much ado about nothing. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. What a movie. Let's, uh, take a break and come back with trope talk. Welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like TikTok, but longer. Nice. Yeah. Ryan, what's our trope this week? We're talking about deception. Deception. Which is such an essential sin uh, mm-hmm. for the rom-com genre. It is. There, or Deception, and I'm going to like sidle a little sub-theme in here, a sub-trope, which is um, miscommunication. Ugh. <laughs> Basically... If you think something is one way, but it's actually another, and the amount of conflict that can arise because of it. Mm-hmm. What are some good examples of this? While you're sleeping. Lay it on. It's the great deception of Sandra Bullock. Basically, <laughs> the sin that she will be crucified upon. Yeah. Um, yes. So basically, we have Sandra B. She's in love with this guy. She saves his life, and then she tells his family, actually, they're dating. Yeah. Oh, actually, we're engaged. Which... Fuels the plot of the movie. Yeah, it goes on and on and on because of this deception, one little lie. Deception is like oil. It mm. just, it will burn until it burns out. And once it burns out, there's no more light left. Then you have the proposal, where again, Sandra is a liar. Where she... What a liar, Sandra. She needs to masquerade. Sandra. Sandy. She needs to get uh, her U.S. citizenship, so she needs mm. to marry Ryan Got. Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Excuse me. Oh, you almost pulled a Robin. I almost, I almost goosed him. I, I don't. I almost goosed him. I almost baby goosed him. I almost goosed him. Yeah, but I've talked about Robin's Ryan blindness, right? Yeah. Yeah, where she she she's much better now. She's been going through therapy. She's been trying to be able to tell Gosling and Reynolds apart, and she's doing a really great so job. Long. I just want Robin. I love you so much. And on this probably the day of our child's birth, because she's like a week yeah, this away. will probably drop around then. Um, so I love you. I mean, so. So long as when she thinks about Ryan Graves in her head, she's seen some amalgamation of Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds. I'm super. <laughs> Did cool I tell with that. you that she forgot that you had a beard? That she has face <laughs> blindness. I think she has clinical face blindness. She, I think only with Ryan's. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so uh, the proposal she needs to lie to Ryan Reynolds' family that they're getting married bec- and that they're actually in love when they're not. They're right. just doing it for you know the green card. And then you've got Miss Congeniality again, Sandra Bullock, she's, liar. She's not a. She's not a. Pr- she's not. Wait, what are they? A uh, model? A princess? She, uh, what are uh, they? Uh, a baker, a Quaker, a candlestick maker? No, no, she's none, none of those, those things. things. No, she's <laughs> Miss USA. She's Miss United States. She's t- she's Miss New York. No, no, she's Miss Ju- she's New Jersey. She's oh, Miss New Jersey. Luella, she's what is it, Luella Freebush or Freebush or something like something that? Something like that. I, I can't remember. Her so name. I'm what sorry. We, guys. What we've determined is that Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock is a liar. Only work because she lies. What is a rom com where she doesn't lie? Two weeks notice. Good for you. <laughs> well, she has high moral fiber she's in that movie. Very upfront in that. She very puts in her so. two weeks' notice and she's out of there. She's she doesn't lie about it. She's not like at the end of the movie. She's like, just kidding. I wanted that job. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, you wanted a upstart, upfront Sandy B, that's the one you want. Right. But in this movie, we've got liars all over the place. Basically, Don Juan um, causes problems by. Getting like basically 
feeding into people's insecurities with lies. He says, all right, you're going to feel horrible if this happens. Thus, I'm going to tell you that this happened and it's going to feed upon your insecurities. And humans do this to themselves in rom-coms all the time Mm -hmm. where they think somebody's cheating on them and that's what they're insecure about. Thus it causes causes like conflict between them and another character Mm -hmm. or they think somebody likes somebody else. And since they can't say what's on their heart, you know, ouch. Um, and it, and it, it, like it involves a lack of approach generally speaking. Yeah. So I think Shakespeare philosophically is saying lying is bad only if the reason you're lying is because you are bad. Right. Can you have a noble lie? According to Shakespeare, very yes. much so. If your intent is to get people to love each other, lying good. So lying you ha- very good. So you have an evil lie, which is lying to hurt. You have a white lie, which is lying so that somebody won't be hurt. But then you have, what is this kind of lie that is lying for good? Yes. The noble lie. It's the Denzel lie. Like, Denzel is lying to you. You want him to be lying to you. Yeah, and when Leonardo is lying to you, don't worry, you're going to get to marry Kate Beckinsale afterwards. Great. Cool. Lie to me. Lie to me, Leonardo. At the end of the story, they're like, wait, people told me that you love me. Wait, people told me that you love me. It's like, we've been lied to. Eh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, Beatrice and and like they they know they've been caught basically. Yeah. Like and that's fine because that lie exposes love. Yeah, I'm trying the to th- noble lie. I'm trying to think of other Shakespeare cuz lying happens all over Shakespeare. I think the noble lie is Shakespeare. Yeah. It does. Um cuz okay, o- let's Othello, take Midsummer's. Okay, let's o- take it. Okay, Midsummer's you have basically Oberon, king of the fairies, l- makes Titania think that she's in love with an ass. And this lie basically, I mean, he's, he's more like doing magic at her, but it's still a lie. Right. And it causes a bunch of problems and he does it as revenge. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Iago, since you brought up Othello. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's a lot of just deception in a lot of Shakespeare's plays of as you like it or 12th night where people are masquerading as someone they are not. Right, right. Um, that would be a gender deception. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, genderception. It's like Christopher it's, Nolan's it's like Christ- Christopher <laughs> Nolan Shakespeare. Yeah, and so I think that's the great tool is In deception. Every every play, every story he's telling, there's deception. Well, I mean, the bard lies to tell the truth, my friend. Ah. ah. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Just go with it. You've seen V for Vendetta, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that's trope talk. But Ryan, I bet that you have a rom-com Oscar do with you. <laughs> me doff my cap at you. I doff. You, you doff your cap at I me? Doff. You do with your cap I, to me? I doff it? You doff, or it. doff it. You doff like it. You doff it. doff it towards me. I'm. <clears throat> Indeed. You're Brian Blessed right now. You <laughs> would have been a good Hagrid. Yeah. I think if he was younger, he would have been a good Hagrid. Man, him versus Robbie Coltrane, if I had them in the same room, I would really have a hard time. I would just, it would be like looking at two different paintings and just kind of like, hmm. Imagine getting a hug by those two guys at the same time I would where you suffocate. were the sandwich. <laughs> I Maybe, would die. You probably, but let's say they lifted you up so that you were at their faces level. I think, I think maybe it might be the best hug. <laughs> yeah. I just, guys, get on your phones. You're listening to it on a phone right now, I bet. Look up Brian Blessed. Would you agree with me 
that he's the kind of person that in real life he would just break out into opera and you would be okay with that. Oh yeah. Doesn't yeah, he just totally. look like s- someone who just like, I'm going to sing Ness and Dorma for you now. You were going to Ness and Dorma. You're like, yes. <laughs> Do you think everyone what stop? If, what if Brian blessed doesn't sing? <laughs> <laughs> then that's a waste of a blessed. <laughs> One blessed, please. <laughs> I want to, can we clone Brian Blessed so that we can all have a Blessed as a friend? Like a Pokemon. Oh, bless your heart. Mm. I love it. Uh, anyway, what's so the my, rom-com my Oscar? Oscar? Best Blessed? I mean... Most Blessed. <laughs> most Blessed. Now, I'm going to go with the tried and true best cinematography. Very good. This movie just looks beautiful. It really does. It's gorgeous the camera work is wonderful i want to just point out the camera operators are doing such a fantastic job of especially that last shot of moving around so gently and but maybe more importantly the first 10 minutes when the women are frolicking to the baths and the men are frolicking Mm -hmm. to the baths there's this uh it gets frenetic but not in a bad way it's so smooth it it has so much not inertia the opposite of inertia um agility uh, the camera is just moving awesome. f- yeah. with such speed and alacrity. And uh-huh. it's just like, you just get caught up in the motion. You of do. It. And yeah. the, the, what the, you cam- feel excited to get in that bath. Yeah. And that is what the camera <laughs> operator reasons. is doing. Yeah. He is moving the camera physically in a way that makes you feel caught up in what's going on. Well, there's something here that feels like they took lessons from aliens where, yes, they like- were like, what should we s- model? Our movie on. I'm thinking James Cameron's second film. Well, kind of. Like, <laughs> the amount of Steadicam that's used in this movie is mm-hmm. unfathomable. Yeah. Like, they're they're just drifting through those hedges like nobody's business. And mm-hmm. they're, they're really reframing people 20 times in a shot sometimes. Yeah. Just because it's like one actor who runs away from the camera and is, comes into a tight and then he's in a cowboy and then it's like, oh, now he's profile walking this way. And like the amount of planning that has to go on also to get a smooth shot mm-hmm. out of all of that is just crazy. Yeah. Um, and it must be said, this is from Samuel Goldwyn Pictures, which was not a major studio. It never has been. And so this is an independent film for the 1990s. And this is when I'd say independent cinema actually peaked. It's 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 been all downhill since Pulp Fiction. Sure. And this movie isn't just bathing in dollars. They were very economical about what they did. And just, yeah, they shot on location in one location. It did such a good job from a producer's standpoint. Just mm-hmm. really know how to convey as much as they can with what little funds that they had. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. So impressive. What is your Oscar? Well, I was going to give it best cinematography, but since you did, I want to give this best cast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, I know. This is your SAG award? Your yeah. SAG kind ensemble of. Yeah, award? Yeah. SAG ensemble award. Because this isn't, uh, I'm going to set our, our good friend Keanu aside and say, you've done so, so much and so much better than this. Mm-hmm. And I like you. And I can even forgive your performance in this because you're still a bad guy and I get who you're supposed to be. It's not like what he was doing didn't come across. Right? It's not like he's playing a really important part like Benedict. Right. It's it's just kind of like a, well, you can be hammy because you're the bad guy and we don't need you to be that sure. real in the first place. The um, If I would have recast this role in 1993, I would have had... Johnny Depp play this part. Yeah. Yeah. That would be appropriate. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or even a um, my, I, I can only think of Bruce Robinson who who plays with Nil and with Nil and I. Oh, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant, I think, would also be good, but he would look a, similar to one of those henchmen. I but actually another one, Brad Dorf, who plays yeah, okay, Green yeah, Worm totally. in yeah. Two Towers. Yeah, he would be good because that would make sense because. Nothing but, against Brett Dorf, but when you look like that, it would make sense that you would be jealous of everyone's hotness and love. So Brad Dorf plays uh, this character on, uh, we're watching through Voyager right now, Star mm-hmm. Trek Voyager, and he plays a serial killer, but like one that they try to fix, <laughs> basically. And uh, whenever you see those Brad Dorf eyes, you're just like, oh, you're so scary. I uh, mean, he's I, a very I, handsome man in real life. I wouldn't want to actually cast him. Yeah, he, well, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> Um, but I wouldn't want to cast him because you want someone sexy, I think, like who can compete sexily, but oh, be evil okay. sexy. Okay. okay. And I think early 90s Johnny Depp, though he was never used that way, could have been evil sexy. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, even even with that, I'm going to say best cast. You have Emma Thompson, Denzel. I think that scene between Emma Thompson and Denzel, like they seem like two actors who are they're specifically to do the best they can for that role. Mm-hmm. There's a humility to their acting that is so like it's, it, it just seeps through their performance. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than it's such a good yet humble performance from both of them in that scene. And I think Kenneth Branagh has a lot of ego that he's bringing to this role. Cause he's like, that's right. I'm really good. I'm going to show off in this role. And he does. And he does so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. It's just too, different acting styles for this movie it feels like that go together perfectly yeah and and so i just i just think it was the perfect cast for this film i uh maybe we'll have a clip here but i i do want to say how eerie it is that hearing david tennant hearing hearing yeah hearing david tennant in this movie was crazy it's crazy that he did all that adr work it's right? just <laughs> did you read that <laughs> it's just like okay david tennant we saw what you were studying. Yeah, you I, were you were studying Branagh because he was Mister Shakespeare. I after this movie, I just sat down on the floor and I was like talking to Robin. I was like, I, I just imagine David Tennant sitting like on his couch, getting some VHSs from the library, or going to see a performance with Branagh in it, and just like being like, yes, 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 because David Tennant is different. His mm-hmm. acting style is different than Branagh's. But his voice is so similar, mm-hmm. and it's so cool. Let okay. Our challenge for ourselves is to find a mashup where we can play some Brana and then play some Tenant, and like be they're like, having a conversation to each other, or just at least show you hear it. You guys hear it. Okay, I mean we'll put it in right now. Yeah, I have known when there was no music with him, but the drum and the fife, and now would he rather hear the tabor and the pipe? I have known when he would have walked 10 mile afoot to see a good armor. And now will he lie 10 nights awake carving the fashion of a new doublet? <laughs> he was wont to speak plain and to the purpose like an honest man and a soldier. And now is he turned Orthography. His words are a very fantastical banquet. Just so many strange dishes. Well, may I be so converted and see with these eyes? I cannot tell. I think not. 
I will not be sworn, but love may transform me to an oyster. But I'll take my oath on it till he has made an oyster of me. He shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Nice. Nice. You two. Well, have they ever acted together? Because they were both in mm. Harry Potter, but not together. Yeah, they never they never figured that out. No. Gilderoy, Lockhart, yeah, and whatever no. guy is yeah. from the sixth one. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because in the fifth in the fifth book, you see Gilderoy again, but at that point in time, he's no, David Tennant's dead. No, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. Anywho. We gave out Oscars, we gave some love, but now to the people, we must bestow our true love. Who do you love in this Who movie? do I love? Who do you love? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close, not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, and love, and love you. I know. I think I'm just gonna like. I went with Emma Thompson before. I'm gonna go with her again. Mm-hmm. Like Beatrice is such a firecracker, and though she is a little murderous, um, <laughs> I get it. I I like how she protects Hero. I think she is someone who doesn't take shit, but is still graceful. Mm-hmm. And she reads a good poem. She's super hot, super mm-hmm. foxy. Just love them curls. Mm-hmm. Going for okay. Beatrice, Emma Thompson, it is. Love it. <laughs> I feel... Can be Kenneth Branagh? No, I feel a bit like a pig saying this, but I'm going with Hero. Mm. And I feel a little bit piggish. Don't be. She's gorgeous. She's very beautiful. And her scenes... With what? What's his fame? The Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard got the romantic feelings in me worked up. Oh, sure. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just really glad Sarah was on the couch with me because I felt this is what's so great about watching romantic movies is that it makes you feel romantical in real life. And they were having their lovey-dovey scenes, and I was just reaching out to Sarah's hand. And she wasn't paying attention to on the screen. And she's like, what are you doing? What do you want? I'm like, just, you know. And like I had her look up and she saw the subtitles of Robert Sean Leonard's overly earnest dialogue. She's like, oh, my God. Like, But mm, romance. <laughs> and, you know, shocking someone with romance like that maybe is not the most uh, thing you kind of want to prime them. But either way. It got me, got me feeling feelings. Oh, I like that. So thank okay. you, hero. So I'm assuming the Beatrice would be your second. Yeah. Well, hold on. I, then I want to ask who your third is. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I guess Don Pedro, because he's super suave, super confident, mm-hmm. super Denzel. Mm, it's very Denzel. Super hot. He's really Denzel in this film. And Benedict, I would just want to smack. I would just like shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. I'm. Yeah. I mean, but. When he's serious, you're like, oh, you're you're cool. But 
Don Pedro for sure. I just I wanted to honorable mention Denzel for even like being yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Like well, like good job. Good job casting. Like good job like being who you are, Denzel. Like I, it's cool to see an early nineties movie cast a black yeah. actor in Shakespeare. Yeah. It's like you're starting off something that on stage they've been doing for a while, but like in film they finally we're been. getting somewhere. Yeah. And he, now he's playing uh, Macbeth. Yeah, next year he's playing against uh, Francis McDormand in a Cohen movie. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I had another point. Oh, Benedict. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the thing. What's great about romance stories is that we we relate to the characters that we can place ourselves in the shoes of. I can place myself in the shoes of Benedict because I can feel like I've been Benedict at times where mm. I'm silly and I am a contradiction of myself Sure, and be silly like that mm-hmm. and go after someone like Beatrice and be attracted to Beatrice. I can't place myself in the shoes of Beatrice because I'm Benedict. I would never want to date someone like me. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's something kind of strange about that, where it's like it's not this attraction thing. It's like I, I relate to just one part of this couple, right? And I want. Am I attracted to another part? And these do not flip flop. It is yeah, not yeah, vice yeah. versa. Uh, some couples you can do that with, but this couple, no. Yeah, because yeah. if you take Hero and Robert Sean Leonard, mm-hmm. it does kind of feel like they're like, both e- yeah beautiful and earnest with one another. Yeah. And you could flip-flop it. Yeah. But there's something about Benedict and Beatrice that they're, in their own ways, obstinate people. Yeah. Very different, though. Yeah. Yeah. Cool cool romance thought. <laughs> well, Ryan, did we have any romance thoughts over on the Patreon this week? Hey! So, wait. So is that... Hold on. Wait. Was that our our change drawer that has yeah. all the change that we've made Cha-ching. from Patreon? Yeah. <laughs> so on the Patreon this week, Kelly had a who me who missed whomst you <laughs> what if moi you composeth a film review of a little film i'm not gonna make a big thing out of it it is a little film it's tempopo tempopo which is japanese it is japanese japanese um basically uh, a long time ago, Robin wanted to introduce me to Tom Popo. She was mm-hmm. like, it's a really great movie and it makes you really want ramen. And it's like sexy and romantic, but funny and weird. And she's like, we should watch this movie sometime, but we have to have ramen during it. And she like also like might've hinted that maybe we should make ramen. Ramen with Robin? Ramen with Robin is a tongue twister. Robin's been trying to teach me tongue twisters. She's so much better at it than me. Anyway. She's such an actor. She is such an actor. Robin, you're such an actor. Such an actor. God. I love it. So anyway, we were going to do this and then it just like, it didn't happen as that date that we always talked about, but never completed. You never got to it. Never got to it. And then I was in Atlanta a while ago and I found this really cool copy of Tom Popo, the Criterion. Hey, which friends is, of the Criterion. We love you. It's so beautiful. They did such a good job making this Blu-ray and um, it's got like a poster inside. It's got like this, the whole essay written on the inside is really cool. But anyway, I bought it for her and I've been waiting to give it to her for like five months. And we finally, like I wanted to save it for our anniversary. And so it kind of did an anniversary date where we went out to Iwajimaya. We got a bunch of ramen fixins, and then we went home and made ramen together and watched this movie while we just stuffed ourselves nice. silly. Robin doesn't have a lot of room in her tummy right now, but she tried as hard as she could yeah. to stuff it in her. Well, she's 
you know, she is feeding for two. She is feeding for two. Slowly, Such a cliche. But, yeah. I hate saying that. No, but I mean... People I mean, said that to us all the time when we had Theo pregnant. Yeah. We're like, yeah, I know. She's fucking hungry, man. Bring us the food. <laughs> I guess you're eating for two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I know I'm eating a lot of food. Give me cake. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we watched that movie and it just absolutely astounded me. Like, did you see Holy Motors when it came out? No. It's... I've seen his other films. It's it's kind of like a bunch of different movies, but it's just about the love of food and how food brings us together and how food is different for different people, but it's it's all the same so for all people. it's kind of like Julie and Julia. No. But about ramen. It's really not like Julie oh. and Julia at all. Like I tried to I tried to find since we had just reviewed that movie, I was like maybe maybe it's kind of like Julie and Julia and it's just not. Mm-hmm. It's there's something in Julia Child that is in some of the characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. But as far as a tale about food, it's so much more personal. Mm. And I I couldn't recommend it more. Mm. It is it is I don't like I've only seen it the one time, but even thinking about it, I'm hungry for ramen mm. in a way that only the greatest artists can do. It made me want what I saw on screen. Kind of like you and Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's on our Patreon this week and I also think that we it looks like we finished our poll our September poll up we're not even going to tell you what the other options are because polls closed we're watching Dirty Dancing so dirty haven't seen Dirty Dancing personally. I'm really what? excited. What? You really haven't? I really haven't. What? I'm really Maybe excited. Maybe you told me and I got crazy about that last week. Yeah, I don't know. It's time. It's, it's time. finally time. So many of our patrons are going to be so happy about this because they basically all voted for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to come over and vote for next month's movie, we'll figure that out next week. <laughs> we don't... But it'll be up by the time you're hearing this. Yeah. But um, this next uh, month, our bonus episode is going to be on the first season of Gilmore Girls season one and we're going to do spoilerish talk we're not going to talk about stuff that happens in the other seasons but we are going to acknowledge certain things about it so yeah so if you're if you're into Gilmore Girls and you want just like a kind of a season recap and just to to see like just to basically come over and be part of the family and have a conversation about Gilmore Girls with us you can go listen to Gilmore guys. Yeah, that's fun and yeah, all. But yeah, if you yeah. want like a really concise first season, you want in the rom com gents. Yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. It. then you come on over to our Patreon. Yeah, so we'll be talking about season one. That'll be on our Patreon. We're recording it a little bit early because we are anticipating some kind of paternity leave for Kelly because Robin is due soon. <laughs> yeah, and we don't actually know when that paternity leave is going to start. Yeah, but I'll probably be. Like Ryan might have a guest on for an episode or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll see how that all pans out. But don't worry, Romcon Gents is not going anywhere. Mm-mm. It's just getting an additional family member. But anyway, come be part of the family, Romcom Gents at no. Pff, come be part of the family, patreon.com slash Romcom Gents. Do we have any letters this week? Yes. Hey Flo, huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. So I got this uh, letter from a fan on my phone today, and here's what they said. What does this fan have a name? Uh, it's at the end of it. It kind of gives away what. what oh, okay. Okay. So here it is. And it's it's actually it's for you personally. To me? Yeah. Oh no. To you. So here we go. Dear Kelly. 
When you started this podcast with your best friend, Ryan, I knew I'd be a supportive partner and encourage your creative endeavor. What I didn't realize is that I'd become a legit fan of your podcast. Every week, I look forward to the new episode in which you'll inevitably make me laugh, melt my heart, and make my day a little brighter. Happy two-year wedding anniversary and happy impending birth of our baby. Love, Robin. Ah, you got me, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, geez, gosh, I'm... Uh... A little red in the face right now. Yeah. Um, but that's so sweet. I love you too, babe. Yeah. I love you too. I'm going to be super sappy right now and call you by your nickname, Rapa Boppin. Aww. Yeah. Uh, she's great. She's a great wife. Happy anniversary to you too. Happy, happy anniversary. I'm assuming by the time you're listening to this, you're going to be really, really, really tired and know that regardless of how tired we are taking care of our tiny child, I love you so, so much. And we'll always make you food and give you foot massages Mm -hmm. and all the good things that a husband should do. And don't worry, I'll change the majority of the diapers the first month. You're changing all of them the first month, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. The there is the the courage under fire when you change your very first diaper. Wait, hold on. Was was your child's diaper the first that you changed? Yeah. Oh, but I mean, even if I had changed other diapers it hits a little harder when it's your child. Like the smell? It, well, <laughs> yes. But it's it's just kind of like, they're so tiny. Uh-huh. You're just like, so like, please don't break. And you just, you get used to like, they're fine. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh God. <laughs> it's so much easier when you can hold them it's, and bundle them. It's hard when they're like, basically you're treating them like delicate buttons of atomic bombs anyway. Yeah. You're like, I yeah. don't want to press you wrong. But also you're like, I don't want poop on my fingers. Yeah. But it's going to happen. Yeah. But they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'll need a lot of encouragement. Both of us will. Mm-hmm. Like Robin's going to be a great mom and I'm sure I'll be a wonderful dad. But any any encouragement anybody can send, super helpful. Here's the thing. Being pregnant, you are a good mom. You are a good dad. You've been taking care of this baby. It's just not outside of your body right I mean, aside now. from all of the drinking Robin's been doing. <laughs> Liquids, drinking Li- liquids. A lot of water, that's lot what of I meant. hydrating. But there's so much work a parent has to do in utero. There's so much of the body that's being sacrificed, that's being beaten by this baby who's just kicking every day. She, so She is kicking a lot. <laughs> Did you, do, you, do you know about this thing, the medical term lightning crotch? Oh, I, I, I've heard such things. Yeah, where it's like like the baby's just like, I found some nerves. Let's play with them down here. <laughs> yeah, and so I think you're you're already you're already parents because you've you've already put up with so much shit. <laughs> so I'm really proud of you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud of you, even though I stepped in your baby's poop the other day. That what was that? How did he do that? I don't know, but good I mean I get good job, job Theo. There's, there's, butthead. we have this curtain and there is some kind of stain at the top of the curtain. And it's just like, how the hell <laughs> did that get there? Babies do the darndest things, don't they? Just very impressive. So next week is Dirty Dancing. In the month of October, you might see a little less of Kelly, a little bit more of me. Uh, we have another letter. Oh, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from my mom. Oh, okay. she's going to yell at us for getting the cutting edge wrong. Yeah, it's I just I promised her I promised her that I would play it on here. So here we go. Okay. Where are you, mom? <laughs> mom. Okay. <clears throat> While making pumpkin oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, which damn, mm. Mm. Um, I am listening to the pod. 
I have some comments, <laughs> which you always like seeing that from your mom. mom. Hey, mom. Haven't talked to you in a week or so. Oh, okay. Comments on the pod. Number one, her name is Kate, <laughs> not Kat. <laughs> and number two, the cowboy hats were because, so in the movie or in the podcast, Ryan and I made comments about all the cowboy hats that a lot of the people in the stands were wearing uh, during the Calgary Olympics. Mm. Uh, the cowboy hats were because the Olympics were in Calgary, home of the Calgary Stampede, the world's largest rodeo. Oh, and so got I, it. I looked this up to find like the actual like uniforms, and it was basically that late eighties, early nineties like windbreaker jumpsuit. Cowboy hats were definitely worn by a couple of them. Like, like Garth, not, it looks like Garth Brooks. Like yeah, as far as a cowboy hat, yeah. What do you mean? Like Did Garth- it look like Garth Brooks was hanging out with them? No, I don't think like, I don't know too much about Garth Brooks, but I feel like he, he's a little bit more maybe in the eighties. Sure. Garth yeah. Brooks in the eighties. He Garth was there. Brooks. He yeah. was, he, he was the, in the guitar and singing section of the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. They have that. So anyway, thanks mom for all of the trivia and updates about names. You're great. Yep. I love you. Thank you. Okay. It was weird to do a mom one right after, after the, the fiance, wife one. It, but it's wife, fine. Fiance. Wife. My, my mom changed my diapers. There's the segue. So next week, we'll be doing, speaking of dirty, dirty dancing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just different kind of dirty dancing. <laughs> Not dirty diapers dancing. Let's hope. You haven't seen the movie, though, so I won't spoil that for you. Well, uh, audience, I love you. Um, if this is like one of our, our last episodes before I take a break, I love you so much. Thanks for all the support. If you could rate and review us over on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. It really does more wonders than you could possibly know. And you can get Kelly a baby gift by signing up for the Patreon. Yes. And give the dollar bucks over to Kelly. Well, to us, to really. Us. But really, Ryan is part of my family. So, yeah. You know, so you'd, you'd be supporting family. our family. It's so, all in the family, guys. But Ryan, family. I love you. And thank you for being so sneaky with ah. my wife's message. Oh, I love you too. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs>